0: This is 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 is
1: Diversified diversified Game Game. Game.
0: A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may
1: agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. Tyson. When you're going against the odds,
0: you've got to be creative, you've got to innovate, you've got to stand out. And AL focus more on execution and application and less on excuses.
1: So let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen. And of course, AL and today you guys on diversified game we are giving you the game all the way from east africa that's where our guest dr adrian hunter you can check her out while you listen at dot she is an author she is a doctor she is a traveler and she has some game to give us welcome dr adrian how are you doing today
2: well thank you so much i am doing well um I hope you are doing well too. I know it's almost winter time there, holiday season, and all of that. And it's a little different on this side. <laughs> but all is well. Thank you. How different
0: are we talking, Dr. Agent? How different?
2: I'm on the equator. So it's 75 oh. year round. And um, so oh. it, I, I have to go to Europe next week for, uh, for work. And I just realized I have no jacket, no long pants. Um, I'm just realizing this, so <laughs> so it's different. Uh,
0: check you out, get a little, little slice of heaven right there.
2: I dig it. Yeah, and she
1: and she's you know she she's bragging for the those of us who are cold. Al is in New York. I'm in Seattle, so it, yeah, cold and rainy over here. So I'm not really you know. Uh, I'm not I can't feel for you, Dr. Adrian, that you right. don't have a nope. jacket. I think you're about to go shopping when you get to Europe anyway. So, mm-hmm.
2: so what's crazy <laughs> is our children, um we with rainy season, um, in the mornings it's a little cool. So we put on a long sleeve shirt on them and they said, Oh my goodness, it's my jacket shirt, my jacket shirt. Because they've never worn a jacket. They've <laughs> only been in Africa. And so, um, and so, yeah, (laughs) it's quite interesting, but we miss it. Um, We do miss this time of year, the festiveness, the family, you know, all the things that you feel during the holidays and the coolness is actually one of those things we do miss.
1: I, I hear you can have it anytime. We can switch. Can you tell the people how you got to Africa all the way from South Carolina? How you made it there? How you've relocated and and living this fabulous life of being able to travel?
2: Oh, okay. So, thank you for calling it a fabulous life. It's definitely not without um the strife and and heartache that many others deal with, but we persevere and we learn and we keep it pressing. So um, I am from South Carolina, I'm a military brat. So I did have some time growing up a bit in um, Germany and the Netherlands as a child. And I took all the experiences that were available to me in college and um, through high school and all of that. And I really just put my best foot forward. When I was six years old, I was at the Berlin Wall when it came down. So I don't know if you know, but last weekend was the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall coming down in Germany. And while I was there, um, there were women that came up and started touching my sister's face, just saying skin, skin. They had never seen people of color before. And I think that day I became a global citizen. And so when I did get through high school and college, I started Um, getting involved in projects abroad. So my first one was in South Africa. I knew then that I wanted to come back to Africa in some way. Um, My boyfriend at the time, who's my husband now, and I traveled to um, Morocco, Guatemala, China. We did quite a bit of traveling and really tried to impact the world through healthcare work. And so, yeah, um, I... Was in corporate America for quite a while um, at some top companies and hospitals. And um, then I moved on to the federal government. And so while I was working at the CDC, I got an offer to come to Malawi. And I was actually on maternity leave at the time. I just had two babies in a two year period or one and a half year period. They were one and zero (laughs) at the time. And so we just sold everything and we wanted a new life. We wanted to an opportunity to raise them in Africa if we could somewhere in Africa. So um, I actually got an offer in Malawi. And so we ended up going to Malawi. So that was our first stop here on the continent uh, for long for us living here.
1: And I found out about her AL through YouTube. They had this fabulous YouTube channel that I really hope one day they bring back because it just it was just beautiful, beautifully done. And they were going from this country to that country, you know, looking like the AIC spelled backwards. You guys know how I do. And, it, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was like, yo what who is this and you know dr adrian has written a book and she's on now her second book and i mean just hearing her story of her travels even as a kid i said okay this is the type of life that i want my children to talk about for all these trips that we take so i i really if you can hone in cuz people are going to listen to this and say oh wow Dr. Adrian and her husband are rich they're wealthy um can you talk about the work that you do and why you can do it anywhere in the world and why you have so many choices
2: so um we take opportunities we're very focused and driven um we knock out a lot of the noise And we actually practice what we preach. So a lot of people will say, oh, anything's possible, or I can do all things and all this stuff. And people say that, but then the actions don't go along with that. So when I say that we're driven, um, we had a very, very hard time in Malawi due to the racism of the U.S. federal government. And that shouldn't surprise anyone. (laughs) And so... Um, from there, we decided to leave the federal government as diplomats and we honed down on opportunities in Africa to utilize our skills. So I'm a health informaticist, which is, um, a medical, um, technology, uh, guru. And uh, my husband's an operations director. So we found positions in Liberia and we were so happy to be free from the U.S. government. And I talk about that in my book, um, because what we went through with something like that you would see on TV or that you would wonder how Shonda Rhimes gets uh, her scripting for scandal or something. Like It was really to that wow. level. And, and I say that to say that there were security issues, there were threats, there were all these things that you only see on TV happened to us. And when that happened, it was so surreal because we're 8,000 miles away from our family and we have that blue, that beautiful blue book. So this really couldn't be happening to us as U.S. citizens. And it was by our own country, uh, native land or our nationality. And so uh, we ended up in Liberia. And then from there, we got opportunities in Rwanda or Rwanda. Most people call it Rwanda, but it's Rwanda when you live on this side. Um, and then we ended up moving on from there with other opportunities. So I actually have a health informatics firm, and from what I dealt with with the government and me deciding to leave, um, it has it has really just changed me professionally in a way that I'm blessed much more than I was when I was there. Um, But a lot of that has to do with my perseverance, my diligence, um, the fact that I really had to realize my own worth and what that meant on this big land where I'm really from. Because you'll be surprised how many people will try to ask you, why are you here when this is your native land and it's not theirs? Um, so there have been a lot of that. We've dealt with so many things, but we want to be here and we feel that this is home. And so, yeah, um, so I am actually now, um, through my firm, I have a contract with the European company where I serve as their chief operating officer. And it's a clinical technology company where I'm able to work from home. So. I can work from anywhere, but where we are now, my husband's job is actually based here. And so, um, that's why we are still in East Africa in this country, but we would like to get back to West Africa at some point. We just, we kind of miss our folks and the spice of the food. And there are certain things on the West side that we can't find on the East side, but, um, but we're really blessed. And to answer your question in regards to finances, we did not come from, um, wealthy families or anything like that. In fact, I ended up going to college on a Bill Gates scholarship. And um, if anybody knows about Bill Gates scholarship, your parents have to make about $20,000 or less per year. You have to be almost at poverty in some way. And so um, I did not come from a wealthy family. My husband didn't come from a wealthy family or anything like that. But what we did was when we left from being diplomats, where everything's covered, your your flights, your housing, everything, that's when we realized that there are other jobs that offer the same thing. So right now we are not paying for our housing. We're not paying for our insurance. We have flights home, things like that. There are a lot of other um, perks that many people do not necessarily know about. And I know our YouTube channel, it was Life's Humble Hunt, and we still have our website. Um, was talking about that or was alluding to that. But we decided that the uh, social media piece just wasn't us. It's just not really our style. And But we're happy to share anything that we can with others. And so I think a lot of people think, okay, come to Africa and have a business plan and start a business. And that's great. But for us, we actually are working for companies that offer those other perks that we really do enjoy. Can we uh can we talk your book, um, Dr. Adrian? so my I published earlier this year he called me ten. um my grandfather used to call me ten, and because of that nickname, it took me through some really rough situations. um and I in my book, I go through about twelve selective countries that I've been to. I talk about childhood distress. I talk about my attempted suicide, how I was scarred by religion as a kid. I have multiple sclerosis and how I'm able to travel and endure and work and do things with that. How I've dealt with uh, PTSD after working with in India with burns patients. Um, I talk about even how I was car hijacked here in East Africa um, and assaulted abroad. I talk about the discrimination from the federal government. But with all of that, I talk about how I persevered and how it shaped my life and has changed my life so that I can be a better friend and mom and wife and humanitarian. And um, so that's what he called me 10 is really about. It was a healing project for me. I wanted to talk about some things that um, have been really touchy and I've been vulnerable about for my entire life. And it's one of those things where you say something so long and I used to say, oh, I'm going to write a book one day. I'll write a book one day. But really, I started getting up at 2 a.m., setting my alarm for 2 a.m. to get up and write my book. And I did it. And when I finished that one, I said, well, I might as well stay on this schedule. (laughs) And so I wrote another one and that one just came out this week. And it's called, it's called 24 because everyone kept asking me, well, how do you with MS as a mom, as a um, working woman, as someone who's active in her community here, and I'm still active in the States, even though I don't live there, um, how do you do all that? And I always say it's, it's 24 hours a day. We all get the same thing. And, and so how are you utilizing it? So my new one that came out this week is it's called 24. And my first one is He Called Me 10, T I N.
0: That's what I'm talking That's about. What I'm talking about.
2: Uh pressure makes diamonds,
0: Dr. Adrian. And you you are our hope diamond. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
2: you. I appreciate that. We I, I like to inspire um as I can. And I feel like anything I learn is not necessarily for me. I think when we one of us wins, we all win. But I think it's our mentality that really has to appreciate that. And we have a long way to go in regards to our humility and our fear of things. And so um, it's been quite interesting how um, now my conversations with certain people have changed or um, just relationships I've had have changed because I feel that living in a new environment, getting out of, the comfort zone that I was in and really um, becoming an open vessel to the world has really, really shaped me. When you're living in, um, in a country where you see things that like when you, when you're looking at certain things, um, where people are not having what you're used to, but then again, you still have it. For example, what I'm trying to say is living here We live in a nicer place than we lived in in Atlanta, Georgia. And the amenities we have here are nicer than they were um, back at home. And it's just amazing because we know outside of this, everyone doesn't live like that. So we still have an opportunity to keep up our lifestyle in many ways, Um, but it humbles us because we know that outside others may or may not have that. But we work hard for it and I, I work very hard Um, And I keep a schedule and I am very considerate of my time. And I know this newest book, that's what it's talking about. How are you valuing your time? How are you um, enabling self-inflicted distractions? And how are you really um, taking care of your business? Whatever that means to you, you know.
1: Now, she's a scientist, though. So I want to know, I know you did some research and I'm sometimes a little um, harsh, especially on certain communities that are, you know, close to mine and communities that I'm in. But what type of research did you do and what was the number one, you know, waste of time that you saw others do that you may not do or you may uh, limit yourself And you're intentional about that when you are doing your research for your books. I know you were doing research.
2: So, um, actually I, um, I journal a lot. Um, I believe in meditation. And so everything that I wrote, literally the words came to me. I felt as if I was in another dimension. I had already aligned my energy in a certain way where everything I felt just spoke to me. I literally would get on the computer and start typing. And the next thing I knew I had a chapter done and I had to reread it. So um, for me, I didn't do um, any research. Um, what my books are, are the first one is my story. It's a memoir. So that was that. And then the second one was based on all the experiences that I've had um, as someone who's a stickler for time. So it's a lifelong thing where I've always been the one not understanding why people are procrastinating, not understanding why people are um, are wasting time on certain things. And I just couldn't, I, I just can't grasp the concept. So I wanted to share my tips on it and really um, help people get themselves together because like the quote I use in there that says, um, the trouble is you think you have time. It's a Buddha quote. And I think about that all the time. And we can be here today and gone tomorrow. And I really want to not just be here. I want to fulfill whatever purpose. I want to enjoy life. I want to cancel out the noise and not take everything too seriously, but also be serious about the blessing I have in living. And so... Um, one thing that I noticed, and we were on social media, and um, I was on social media for quite some time, not extra active, never been really extra active, but um I I find that it's a fantastic tool and even now the way things are going, um, and thank you for having me on the podcast, just podcasts and, and all these other tools where we can get more information are great. And I enjoy that. But I found that I was spending so much time on it. And when I found that I was never posting a picture on Instagram, but I was on Instagram like two hours a day, two hours is a long time. I could have written another chapter in two hours, or I could have spent more time with my children or or um, completed a business plan. Like There's so much you can do in the time that you may waste on things. And for me, it was a time waste. I know some people, that's not a time waste and that's the way that they may do their job or or find out information. So it's not a bad thing. But for me, that was one of the time wasters that um, I even talk about in this book. And really knowing that we work, a lot of times people work a typical eight to five job And then they do the same routine at night and then they sleep for eight hours. And I found that sometimes six hours is enough sleep for me. And sometimes I catch up on it on the weekend. And then sometimes I do sleep 10 hours. So it just depends. But I have it now where um, if the children are going to sleep at eight to nine, then I'll go to sleep at eight to nine. But then that alarm clock will go off around two to three so that I can get my day started. And I've, I've read... And I've always heard some of the most successful people say that reading and that getting your day started early and having a checklist are really essential. And I realized I was already doing those things. So I tried to program my mind that I'm just as good, if not better, or if, and I can do just as much as, as that, you know, person. And so that's the way I kind of look at it.
0: All right. All uh, right, hey, Adrienne, I, yeah, I have I have a question. Um, just a bit ago, um, you made mention of uh like things that you've gone through up to this point that allowed you to uh I guess uh, acquire more humility and um, you know, understand fear more and, and fear things less. Um, can you speak on uh some experiences that a that uh have allowed you to like open your mind uh, to more possibility or uh, some experiences that have happened in your life that have changed your perspective on those two topics, uh, humility and fear?
2: So um, I got diagnosed with um, multiple cirrhosis and I was at the time working back and forth um, from Haiti to Atlanta, back and forth when I started getting some symptoms. And then the day I got diagnosed, the minute it hit my brain that the doctor just said this, I all of a sudden felt sicker and I all of a sudden felt hopeless. And I let it overtake me for a while. I dealt with a little depression and and let it kind of um, get me down for a while. And then I started thinking and I was like, People do triathlons with no legs, with no arms. Um, people do things all the time. You have people graduating from Harvard Law School who um, who's deaf and blind. And I'm thinking, wait, there are people that do things all the time. It's amazing that right after that, I ended up having my boys, and then I was told um, that I had an opportunity to move to Africa, and then. The responses to that were well, one you have babies, and two that's Africa, and three you have MS. And I'm thinking, and man, let me tell you, other than the stress, the, other than the stress that I had um, with work-related stress, which wasn't my fault, anything other than that, I have been the healthiest I've ever been in my life. Here with fresher foods, here with cleaner air. Um, here with more positive people who, on a day to day live life and aren't as stressed as us, and people who are paying cash for everything and don't have debt and things like that and being in a change of environment really helped me realize that I actually feel better here, and I'm glad I took that leap because if I'd listened to others who weren't going after their own dreams but trying to tell me how to go after mine, I would have probably not felt as good as I do now. And so um, the fear of jumping out into the unknown, my husband and I had a stable life um, and we were very comfortable and then we had children. And as soon as we had children, we sold our house and everything and we did everything kind of backwards, but we wanted to be more frugal and we wanted a more minimalist lifestyle. And I'm telling you, when I started knocking out some of that clutter in so many ways, it just really made all the difference. Uh,
0: now that's
1: all, yeah, no, that that's awesome. And, and I'm going to say, I think you guys did everything right because doing it backwards would be uh, not being married. Um, having the kids and then saying, hey, maybe this marriage thing should work out. But that's, a, that's an issue. Again, I, I get kind of harsh when talking with people about that, because as you see, and, I, and, I, and in your book, you talk about the stages that you went to to get here and that you didn't skip a step. And that, you know, you 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 followed the elders' advice until you needed to make your, your own lane. And now look at the life that you're having. And there's so many people who are sick here. I know even Africans who won't go to Africa because of an illness they have here. Because they say, oh, Africa right. won't be able to take care of me like America. So they're trapped. So, I mean, what... What gave you the the insight to say, okay, I've done everything the right way, but I have to make my own path? Like, was it parents? Is it just something inside of you? What gives you that courage?
2: Um, I've always felt that there was um, a part of me I hadn't reached into yet. The same way they say, and I'll say they say, because I don't know the citation for it or anything, that we only use 10 percent of our brain. I really started um, really thinking about my own uh, goals in regards to the purpose of why I'm here, what destiny really means to me, what purpose really means to me. And when I was six years old and abroad in Germany, it came to me then. It was almost like I was having revelations all the way through. And I always felt that I could accomplish anything. It's just that I didn't have examples of that. And then I started thinking, why am I looking for examples when maybe I can be the example and I'll try. And if it doesn't work out, it, you know, it's, it's OK. I learned something. And so I guess I was never afraid of failure. And even being here and, and you just mentioning that about health stuff, um, anything can happen to anyone anywhere. And if if we really look at the stats, I've been in the healthcare field for quite some time and the stats of the U.S. health system is the lowest in all of the first world countries. In fact, um, for women and particularly Black women in maternity, um, it's the lowest of any first world country and it's comparable to many third world countries. And people don't really realize that. So um, I I think about that sometimes if I were to start a family or, or if we were to expand our family biologically would I go back to the states to have a child or would I and and I'm thinking people have babies everywhere you have to kind of think about that people are sick everywhere people deal with cancers everywhere and um, I think we are so mentally uh, we mentally we just feel as though the US has the best of everything and I can't say that's the truth necessarily Um, there are some conveniences yes that may make things a little easier. But then there's some conveniences here that we say, wow, if, if we had this in the States, we would be good to go, you know, kind of thing. So um, so I think it's just the release of the fear I once thought. Um, I talk in my book about religion and that's a pretty interesting topic to me because religion actually, or the way I grew up anyway, in the type of church I grew up in, Actually taught me to fear life, and it taught me to fear death, so to me, there was no in between because I was afraid of everything alive, and I was afraid to die and what would happen to me when I died that's how extreme it was on on um on my on the, how I was raised and so when I decided to release myself from that and really know that I can pray. Anywhere, I can pray while I'm driving. I can pray while I'm sitting here eating. I can pray. I did not have to be on my knees with my head down, which is the way I was taught that God wouldn't hear me otherwise. Once I started to really find myself within what that meant for me, I realized that um, I had a bigger purpose and I wasn't scared and I wasn't scared of life and I'm not scared of death either and I'm actually just living, and I appreciate that.
1: Dang, that's, that's real talk. Wow. I was wow. hey, yeah. hey, hey. like, wow.
0: <laughs> He's done dropped all the gems.
1: Yeah, and, and the way she grew up, I think a lot of us in the church grew up like that. And I mean, it still yeah. affects and impacts, I know myself to this day. Um, you know, but, but but go ahead, Al. You had you had something to say.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna like kind of kind of piggyback. Um, you know, with this, um, I want to say, uh, spiritual enlightenment as a result of uh, religious upbringing. Like, well, now, what are your thoughts on, on, um, on individuals, I guess, uh, finding themselves um through either religion or spirituality like um most recently uh you know K- kellen and i we've we've been podcasting about uh about kanye west and his um is stepping into stepping into the faith like yeah, know what, what are your thoughts on uh individuals finding their faith through either spirituality or religion so
2: you know, um in college there were people that um once they got into college, they may have converted to Islam, or they may have changed something about themselves now that they're in a new environment with other influences and other people. And I think we do the best we can based off of um, what we know, but there are only few who question what they know or question what they had been taught. And I'm not to say that there's a right or wrong either way, but I do know that when I started to question things, when I um, only wanted to get saved as a Christian, because it was Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, and I was a freshman and I had just seen a screen on TV where there was a terrorist attack, um, that was, I needed some insurance. I immediately, my mind immediately went to fear. So I said, wait, I fly all the time. If that happens to me, I have to be saved. I need that insurance. And so I went and I, and I say, quote unquote, like gave my life to the Lord that night. But I really didn't. I really had no belief in doing that. I did it out of fear. And so, but it was what I was taught. And I was taught that if you leave this earth and you're not ready or you haven't, proclaimed then this is what would happen to you and and it was extreme um and so when i when i now um and i don't know what's going on with with kanye west or anything hopefully it's something really positive but when people are going through their own journeys i think that it's worthwhile to let them because they have every right to i think here um living on the continent i've seen the same religions we see at home and, and even some new ones. And then I see a lot of African spirituality remnants that are very intriguing from the simplest thing as looking at the Lion King. So when we went to look at the Lion King recently, the new one, and I was I the original one or the new one, um, in both of them, you're looking at speaking with your ancestors, you're looking at This circle of life and what that may mean. And you're looking at um, others loving each other and trying to bring things back to good. And something as simple as that to me looks different now that I live on the continent and now that I know who I am more than I used to. It looks different than it's ever looked. And even the simplest things I can really pull meaning out of. And I think we spend so much time trying to excuse things or enable things or defend things that we uh, we miss a lot of the objectives that we're really supposed to get um, regardless. So when I, the way I grew up, I didn't grow up around other religions or people that believe differently than my family did. And I think that that was a disservice because the world doesn't look like that. And I think now I'm more comfortable being at any table for any conversation. And I love having all kinds of conversations with folks about what they believe. But my whole thing is you have to be true to yourself. Because if if you can't be true to yourself, then really, what's the point? You know, it's like you're living a a double life or something. And, And that's one of the reasons why I don't do social media and that kind of thing is because I think some of it's real, but we always want to show our best. But every day in life isn't our best. And I'm perfectly okay with saying that today I feel like this, this is on my spirit, this is on my heart, this is what I'm feeling, let me just stop and take a breather, or I'm angry about this. And I'm just, I feel more free to express who I am than I ever have in my life.
1: And and I'm going to say for your, yeah, for for her book, it it, it was for me, I think one of the most uh, things that made me say, yeah, you know what? I, I Okay, I'm not alone in this journey, but there are some moments in your book of even like growing up and having, you know, having to be in church for all these days. And it was like almost church was an extension of school for <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you when you talked about how even how family members violated you as a young person is the reason why my daughter's go to jujitsu three, four days out of the week. The reason why I won't let them just, you know, have a sleepover or even, you know, family members, younger cousins, we we don't do that. We, we everybody be in their, <coughs> their, their, their circle, which we had great times growing up, but when you hear the stories that you did not know, in families and and the the violations that happened and when uh, working with youth you hear some of the same things you're like what I mean it's like I have my kids in a bubble but it's my bubble and and I'm happy in that bubble and when I read your book I said see this is why this is another reason why yeah. I can't just let them be free because we were quite free to do what we wanted to do and play. So I just wanted to make let you know that that I, I really felt that part of the book.
2: I appreciate. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Because um, I think the more I'm enlightened in myself, I can see now that a lot of what was said, I, I, I see why it was said now. But I wonder if those who said it even know why they said it, for example, growing up, don't sit on on uncle so-and so's lap don't sit on any you know any male family member's lap, and then it's like later you're finding out that molestation and incest and all these things are happening in the family, and people are keeping quiet, even church people are keeping quiet and but then you know your history and knowing about interbreeding and knowing the things that happened during slavery where um where that was somewhat forced upon us and some, sometimes it was um an option that was the only option we had and so a lot of that mental strain still exists and i know we, people talk a lot about this mental slavery but it i think until you really um admit that that's what some of this is then we it's going to be hard to move forward because even now a new generation and a new generation, we're finally having the courage to question it. Well, why was that said? Or why was not not allowed to do that? Or why is it that instead of talking to us about intimate topics, you just told us don't do it? Well, as a kid, or or when someone tells you don't do it, you're curious. And now I take that and I know how to talk to my children um, in age-appropriate ways but that there's no information that's off limits. And I think we had so many secrets and so much information that was off limits that we hindered ourselves. And honestly, I don't see where it's really helped us any to really do that. And I think it's those who try to stem away or question it or improve it in some way that really get the most value out of what that means for legacy and heritage.
1: And that's gonna—is that gonna be your 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 third or your fourth book? When you talk about that,
2: and- <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> right now I think I'm on a little break. Um, that was two this year, and if I feel compelled to write again, um, I definitely will, and I will let you know. <laughs> but but right now, um, I I really feel more comfortable speaking. And with MS, you know, sometimes, in fact, when I got diagnosed, I initially thought, and I talk about that in my book, I was actually presenting at a meeting and I all of a sudden couldn't talk. And I know the stats on black women who may be overweight or, or have certain um, ailments already. And I didn't have anything, but I do have some weight on me. So I assumed I was having a stroke and I said, oh my goodness, I just, I'm telling myself, oh my goodness, I just had a stroke. Um, but with MS, sometimes you may lose your speech and things like that. And that really impacted my confidence for quite a few years. And now I'm feeling as if I I want to empower others through doing some motivational speaking and things like that. And if I start to stutter, then that's who I am. That's a part of what I'm dealing with. And it's OK. And um, so I think I'm finally getting more comfortable and in myself in that way. So I don't know about a third book or at least no time soon, but you never know. I can never say, I can never say never though. You just never know.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Back to Adrian. with uh, every guest that we have on our podcast, um, you know, we tend to, you know, peel back the layers and understand what makes them them. And uh, one thing that is uh, truly interesting to us is that um we'd like to know uh if dr adrian has any um any uh community involvement or is community involvement something that you're looking to uh to start doing um if you haven't already and what would be your community give back if so
2: Right. So um, I'm definitely a humanitarian um, at heart and have been um, even through my career. And um, and it's funny that you asked that, because even when working a regular career, every vacation day that I had, I used to use to travel abroad and and do something um, and do something abroad for women and children and. Also, um, I am an active member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, very um, proud of my organization and what they've given to the world. I've also um, been in one of the chapters here in Africa, and then I also just remain, um, remain active uh, financially and in my community as well. And um, so most of my work has been with women and children even long before I had my own children, I always had a soft spot there. And I do um, quite a bit of work with pregnant women and women who are postpartum, um, and because I'm also a trained doula. So even though I don't usually attend births, I do a lot of postpartum work. And I do that here in Africa, I still do that in the States uh, with some clients in the States that I volunteer with. And, I think just the humane piece of things have always been a part of me. And so um, there's not one particular project or one particular focus that I go towards. It's wherever I'm led and where I can best give of my skills. So I do a lot with STEM in the community and children, and also with those who are older and, um, and have um, capacity building needs. I do a lot with that, too, outside of regular work and regular family.
0: Phenomenal.
1: It, and Sorry. she writes, yeah, and she writes, writes, and and if you're hearing this, I want you to visit her website, which all her uh, her website and everything will be in the description box. But there's so much that you've done and I know that you will continue to do. Um, I, I'm just thankful that that you came on. Um, I'm excited to see the the, the yeah, the 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 next book. You know, Dr. Adrian <laughs> even helped she she helped me even because when I heard her audiobook at the same time, I was trying to get mine together and I my my guys could not get the format right for um audible and everything and she gave me her person who was very affordable got the job done so i thank you for for that oh, again
2: okay okay wonderful
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and and when you read her book um one of the things that i had to read because the reason why she is wiped off of social media. The reason why there is no YouTube. And she she talked about how the government, you know, what they try to do to her. But I want you guys to read the book and get the details because she could really go into deep, deep detail on that part of her life. And that could even be its own book. Because one thing, Dr. Adrian, people don't get, I mean, you look at these big jobs, we're we're entrepreneurs, we get all these, you know, certifications and we look at these big contracts. But what people don't understand is America is a huge business that is known to give a million dollars today and they can sue for it and take it back tomorrow. And it's all legal in the contract. And many of people have gotten in trouble having to pay a million dollars back a few times or, you know, being accused of things like they do with African leaders. But, you know, how every African leader has to go to the Hague. But, you know, we never say anything about the Eastern European leaders who have done similar things. Um, uh-huh. It's, it's, uh-huh. It's, it's it's rare. And I don't want to get, you know, anybody on a, on a list that, um, I may already be on (laughs) due due to the type of work that we do. But yeah, I just, I mean, that part of it, sometimes you can't even talk about it because you're still getting fed from the machine. And we saw Snowden, I read Snowden's book and it's like, you'd have to go to Russia to be that honest, you know, and still watch your back. So that part, I really wanted to just Give a, you know, if you want to say anything on that or if you have any tips for anybody doing this type of sensitive work, feel free to share it.
2: I realize that um, you could be here today and gone tomorrow. I think that's what happened. And in the sense that regardless of what we do, where we work, what we're involved in, if something happens to you, they're only a handful of folks usually that will really care and follow up and be involved in that legacy from now on there are folks that may not care much about you you may just be a, an asset or research in some other way to them and they can replace you immediately if something happens they will send some flowers and grieve for a few days and then they'll replace you and life goes on so i think i realize that I'd given so much power to a process or something that I thought was the way. I thought this was the right way. Um, When you hear your parents say, oh, you have a government job. That's the good job. But no one tells you that you really, for your skills, you know you can be making four times that, five times that, six times that, right? Like you didn't have anyone to tell you that or you didn't have anyone to say, well, while you're stressed going into an office every day, you know you can work from home, you know you can retire early, you know you can get yourself together in other ways so that this isn't your story. And so I realized those things and I started, the the tip I have is that I started looking in the mirror and actually saying what I wanted. I started writing down the same sentence in my journal every day. I started looking in the mirror every day and claiming, Exactly. I didn't know how, but I knew that. And I would look and say, I don't know how this will happen, but this is what I proclaim and this is what I hope. And I believe that if it's in the cards and the will for one's life, it will come to be, especially writing it and believing it. There's something special about writing it down. And I tell people that all the time. And for those that do believe in the Bible, it's in there. Um, there are other texts that say that there are other people that will tell you all the time, write it down, keep saying it, fake it till you make it. If you don't believe it, keep saying it, keep putting it out there. And, um, and, and things do manifest. I really have gotten ever since I started doing that, which was probably a couple of years ago, um, about two, right at two years now, since I left Malawi, I've gotten everything I've asked for. In fact, if I didn't get it to the magnitude that I asked for, I got it more than I asked for. And I think sometimes we're not thinking big enough and we're not wishing and hoping and working for big enough. And big enough is whatever is defined as for you. You may be content with where you are or where you are um, or what you are. But to me, I want it more. And I was and and I'm not talking about money necessarily or anything like that. I'm talking about value and quality of life and those things you just can't put um, put any type of, of number on. I really wake up every day and I'm happy to be living. I really when someone cuts me off while I'm driving or stresses me out in some way, I really don't carry it on. I say, well, that's their problem, not mine but if I can be of help to them, then I will. And I keep it moving. I don't foster stuff. And I think that we don't know how to love. We don't know how to forgive. We don't know the meaning of a lot of these things. We think that love is enough. We think that because someone has a certain title or came from a similar, or a, one of the wounds of your family, that that or they have the same blood as you, that that makes them family. There are all these things that we're so confused about when in reality it's a lot more simple than that. So I try to look at what's simple and I kind of go from there and I just leave it as, every day, this is how I can improve and really just bask and live in the moment. Sorry for the extra noises. We're on a, this, this road is like, um, it's 6.51 p.m. here. So people are getting off work. So it's loud. So hopefully you can hear me. <laughs> it's loud outside. Hopefully you can hear me. Oh, no, we hear
1: you. We hear you fine. and Anything okay. extra is that extra, extra love. You know, I just came <laughs> back from East Africa three weeks ago. And I'm just like, since you said the weather, I was like, man, I want to be back there. Um, so I'm, I'm just, you know, taking it all in. And I hope the audience is taking it all in. You guys have gotten the game today. We aren't going to take all of Dr. Adrian's time because you need to go to adrianhunter.com to buy her book, hear what she has, give her great feedback on Amazon or wherever you listen or read your books and make sure that you give her a, a positive review so she knows, you know, what her book meant to you. Dr. Adrian, I want to thank you for coming on and Thank
2: you. Thank you.
1: Yes. And you I was going to
2: say, oh, I'm sorry. I was going
1: to T.
2: So my middle initial is T. So it's adrianthunter.com. So don't forget the T. I don't know who Adrian Hunter might go to somewhere else, but oh. mine has it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Adrian T. We'll make sure I copy and paste it. It'll be right there. When I Google Adrian Hunter, it pops up so okay
2: um, okay thank you yeah Yeah, adrian t hunter thank you so much i appreciate it
1: yeah the only thing i (laughs) saw missing but i know you don't do social was there was no wikipedia link yet but we don't like to just get the game (laughs) we like to give it so that that's our our (laughs) game for the day um we don't see the wikipedia
2: Okay, okay. (laughs) okay thank you thank you for that
1: So I think this is a good place to stop our dialogue for this episode and allow you, the listeners, to join the conversation and keep the dialogue going with us online.
0: You can do so by visiting our social media at Facebook, Diversified Game Podcast.